0: many have been burdened, fearful, sometimes confused, outraged by what is happening right now in the Middle East, specifically with Israel. Raise your hand if you've lost a little sleep over it. And that's why as a church, we have to create an atmosphere where it can be talked about. So tonight I've brought a guest that's not only going to share with you, but this guest thrives off dialogue. You can ask our students today, He actually wants to hear from you, and we're going to do something very unique tonight. We're going to open tonight for discussion through questions, so they're going to put a number on the screen, maybe now, maybe in a few moments, where if you have a question, you can text that question to ask, and I'm going to go even further. We just may take some live questions tonight that Pastor Rick will determine, because the special guest I'm about to introduce to you is afraid of no questions. Trust me. I have seen him in action. There is nothing too difficult, nothing too controversial, nothing you may think is offensive that he is not able, ready, and quick to give an answer to. So this is a very unique opportunity to ask what's truly on your heart. Like we said to the students today, what are you seeing on social media? What lies are bothering you? Where are you wondering truth is? What questions do you have? This is that kind of night. So I want you to take the filter off and I want you to ask questions with one motive, that we want truth and we want to be a light to the world around us. This will help us pray better and it will help us represent his kingdom better. So we're gonna ask him to share and then we're gonna sit on this couch and we're going to discuss. And I promise before tonight is over, you're going to find a new friend um, that resides in Israel but represents the state of, I mean, that resides in New York but represents the state of Israel. Someone that will be a friend of this house and I promise you will not be the last time he is here. And if you pay attention to your television, you will see his face in other places. So you might wanna snap a picture tonight to prove that you got to see him in person. So ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you a leading advocate for the land and the people of Israel. He is a skilled spokesperson who previously served as a diplomat with Israel's Ministry of Foreign Affairs for over 15 years. He held the positions of consul for media affairs and was the spokesperson at the Consulate General of Israel in New York. During his service, he was responsible for maintaining direct contact with all U.S. media focusing on political, social, and business outlets. He also served as the executive director for the Northeast region at Stand With Us, an organization dedicated to Israeli education and the fight against BDS and anti-Semitism. He is also a public affairs thought leader who founded and serves as principal at fourth dimension strategies we can all smile in this room that he directs a ministry with the word the number four in it and as i peeked at his notes tonight not intentionally i wasn't really snooping and i saw that they were written in hebrew or something i realized wow we have someone here who is far more educated than myself who can actually bring weapons of knowledge to you tonight. And I'm so honored uh, for you as a church to help me welcome Shah- Shahar Azani here to the pulpit of Redemption to the Nations Church. Can we honor him as he comes now? And if you'll remain standing, I, I want to honor my husband. He said, you gotta explain how we met. So if he'll stand here with, my, with me. A a, a couple years ago now, um, I met Shahar for the first time in Nashville through a connection through Mary Mawatha, my dear friend on the front row, because he served as an ambassador in Kenya for so many years. And I was invited to an event to honor Israel, and this is where we connected. And he opened the door wide for all of my students to attend this event with me, because he believes passionately in equipping and investing in the next generation. It was there that the opportunity was open for me to lay hands on and pray for former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo as they were honoring him for the embassy movement that happened during his administration. And since then he has remained a close friend and a faithful um, advocate for the body of Christ and the relationship of the United States and Israel. So thank you for taking time to come and I'm gonna give this time to you now to share from your heart.
1: Please remain standing. No, I'm just kidding. Have a seat. <laughs> Pastor Kevin, Pastor Devin. Good evening. Oh, you pro you said they have vocal cords. Good evening. I'm so honored to be with you here tonight at a critical moment not just for the Middle East but for the world. But first and foremost, I just want to express my appreciation, my profound thanks for the incredible welcome Today at the airport, as I stepped off the plane and saw the flag of Israel with the students who said, Shalom, welcome to Chattanooga. That was, give yourself a round of applause. (laughs) Kindness should never be underestimated. And the ability to lend a helping hand and an open heart to people in grief is highly appreciated. For standing before you is not just Shaharazani, but the people of Israel, whose voice I utter wherever I go, who are in great pain today. They're in great pain because of October 7th, 2023, what we call today the Black Sabbath, which was supposed to be a day of happiness and joy, the Jewish holiday of Simchat Torah, where we celebrate the Word of God. And it was on that red dawn that a red day descended upon us when almost 3,000 barbarian savages of terrorist organization Hamas breached the fence between the Gaza Strip and the south of Israel. And for hours and hours, they butchered mercilessly in women, children, families, Babies, did the most horrible things to them. Torture, mutilation, mass rapes, burning people alive, putting a Jewish baby in the oven while being alive. Acts of unbelievable evil that words cannot describe. And these people, my friends, these are not just numbers, 1,400. These are people with faces, with dreams, with hopes, with past, with a future that's gone. I don't know if you can put on Emily Hand, the picture of Emily Hand. Look at that girl. Emily is eight. Her father gave an interview three weeks ago to CNN when he was told that his daughter was murdered by Hamas. She went for a sleepover. Her only crime, she was Jewish. A few days ago, during that interview, her father Thomas said, crying, I'm happy at least that she's dead, that she doesn't have to endure captivity by terrorist organization Hamas. A couple of days ago, he got the message that it was a wrong ID. She's alive and she's in the hands of Hamas, captive in the Gaza Strip, held hostage for over a month. That's an Israeli hostage. Look at her face, and imagine her in the dungeons of a horrid, barbaric organization that perpetrated the most horrible of deeds. I want to talk about Abigail, little Abigail. Abigail Idan, who spent her Shabbat Saturday morning with her family, very early in the morning, Where Hamas savages entered the house, they murdered her father and her mother. Her two other siblings, Michael and Amalia, hid in a cabinet for hours. She was six, he's nine. While they were hiding in the cabinet, hearing those voices outside, she was taken into Gaza. A three-year-old girl, all alone, after having watched her parents executed before her eyes, without her brother and sister. For 14 hours, they were hiding in a cabinet. For 14 hours, unwilling to speak to anyone, being quiet, fearing for their lives. Nine-year-old Michael reached out to the paramedics using his mother's phone, his dead mother's phone. I am hiding in the cabinet, he said. Can you come rescue me? The young girl on the other side, who was getting phone calls from all over, said, remain quiet. Don't come out. Keep your sister safe. They refused to come out even when they heard the IDF soldiers. After 14 hours, so late, it wasn't until their uncle came, Amit, and said, Michael, Amalia, you can come out. I can tell you stories of Israeli Israeli civilians who heroically fought off these savages. Who saved people thanks to their heroism. And I can tell you about the, the presence of the Almighty. Because when IDF soldiers arrived and saw a man alive holding a gun, they weren't sure who they were. Do you know how they identified the man for being Israeli and Jewish? He immediately recited the Shema. Shema Israel. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And that's how the IDF knew that he was Jewish. Imagine the presence of God amid a tsunami of blood, of pain, of grief, of suffering. And who are we facing in these atrocities? Who is on the other side? Enemies of God, enemies of faith. An organization that's nothing short of a stain on the moral soul of our world. An organization that perpetrated genocide against what they call the infidels, the Jews. And that phone call, which was recorded by the Israel Defense Forces, is the great and perfect example of what evil we're facing. It was a conversation that was caught between one of those savages, you'll pardon me for not calling them militants, when he was calling his family in Gaza. And this is how the conversation went. Mom, Dad, I killed. I killed them. I murdered 10 Jews with my own hands. You'll be so proud of me. Turn on your video cameras. I want to show you the corpses. I'm actually speaking to you from the phone of the dead Jewish woman. I got her phone. I killed her and her husband with my own hands. Oh son, the father replies with tears of joy and pride. We're so proud of you. You are our hero. When are you coming back? Back, dad? I'm not coming back. I want to kill more Jews. This is my chance to kill Jews. At that time, on that Saturday morning, there was a Party for Peace taking place with 400 400 youthful, energized young people who went to celebrate life. Immediately when the savages came in, they shot and killed 260 of them, piling the bodies, raping the girls en masse before they were executed with a shot to the head these are barbarians these are enemies of our civilization and I know that the media and some elements on social media which has become the epitome of all wisdom tries to depict this as a pro-israel pro-palestinian the word pro cannot be attributed to anything that happened on October 7th if you're a human being if you have a heart If you have a soul. October 7th was not political. It was at the very core of our humanity. It was a manifestation of the evil that we are able to reach the lowest of lows that we can reach as human beings if we don't have the power of faith. If we are not people of God. The kind of unbelievable, unfathomable deeds that one can do upon another that you couldn't even believe could be? I ride the bus in New York, and I'm looking at this baby in the stroller, and all I can think to myself, I, there were times, and I'm starting to get back to myself, where I would play with those babies. You know, take a nice look at them, smile, laugh. And the only thought I have in my mind now is what would it take for me to decapitate the child? to put them in the oven, to torture them, to cut out their limbs. Who do I need to be to actually perpetrate such a thing? There is nothing pro-Palestinian about what happened. Yes, on October 6th, we might have a discussion of politics. But October 7th was the epitome of all evil. This, my friends, is a time of masks off. This is a clear yes-no question. Very tough for lower moral education Ivy League schools. (laughs) Tough questions for presidents of universities who get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to educate our youth, and who are unable to answer the following question, and it's tough, so bear with me. Is decapitation of babies bad or good? Is it evil or is it right? What a simple question to answer. One that each and every one of them has failed in continuously. Oh, these issues are too political. Are they? Oh, there are so many tragedies out there, we can't make a statement about each and every one of them. Oh, really? And when those masses of mobs who come out there, again, not pro-Palestinian, pro-terror, pro-barbaric Nazi Hamas, and we let them run amok, on our streets, defacing our monuments in Washington D.C. in the name of evil? This is a warning sign for our society. Let you heed that warning. Let that evil not step foot in this house or in this country or on these streets. Take a good look at that evil. Do not make the mistake that we have. For if there is one lesson we've learned from this, is if they tell you who they are, believe them. Don't look the other way assuming that evil is like you, that evil can be reasoned with. It cannot. So let this be, my friends, an age of accountability where we demand responsibility of all of those who espouse evil, all of those who support terror. There should be zero tolerance to anybody who cannot condemn, and this is again a tough one, the decapitation of babies. For what differentiates us as human beings is not the ability to call evil by its name. To look it in the eye and call it out as evil. And to say, you are not welcome here. We will stand together, partners of civilization. For you know all too well that what starts with the Jews does not end with the Jews. And whatever is stopped, whatever evil is stopped there if not put an end to, will make its way right here to Europe and to the streets of the United States of America. Growing up, many eons ago, before the earth came into being and dinosaurs roamed the earth, I remember Hamas's evil. It was the mid-90s when the Oslo Accords came to be and we young Israelis were hoping for an age of peace, almost seeing the fulfillment of the prophecies. And as our eyes were tearing with hope for peace, they were quickly enough tearing because of the death and the blood that flowed on our streets. For it was the same death cult called Nazi Hamas organization that introduced Israelis to the wonderful invention of suicide bombers. And Israelis started dying en masse, 20, 30 at a time, when suicide bombers boarded buses, shopping malls, coffee shops, when the art of destruction was was excelled by adding nails and screws and iron bullets to make sure that even if you survive, you will not survive. Such was their art that you know all too well how quickly it made its way to the shores of these United States and 9-11. We faced it first and later on it came to London, Madrid, Paris and elsewhere. It, these are the infidels that they're targeting. The Jews, the Christians, they are against the Western society as a whole. Make no mistake, for there is no appeasement of that evil, for they will stop at nothing. I mentioned Hamas and pro Palestinian, but let's admit the truth. If there is nothing, if there is something that's pro Palestinian, is ridding the region of Hamas, it's making sure that they are no more. Israel, and I heard this argument a lot, is always told about the occupation. The occupation. And the truth is that in the year 2005, Israel handed the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians. We had factories, their greenhouses, that exported strawberries and fruits and flowers to Europe. We didn't demolish it or take it with us, we handed it over to the Palestinians. We said, there you go, here is an ongoing business, use it for your economy. Build a state for yourself. Make it into the Singapore of the Middle East. We evacuated thousands of people from their homes. We dug our dead out of their graves and took them back into Israel. And after we handed them that ongoing business, In a matter of weeks, it was looted, pillaged, burnt. Hamas was then elected to be part of the government. And in June 2007, they took hold by force, killing their own people, executing members of the Palestinian Authority, throwing them off the rooftops, dragging their lifeless corpses on the streets. And as of that point, and even before, They have created the Gaza Strip to be the largest city of terror on Earth. On Earth. Billions of dollars flowed into the Gaza Strip of your taxpayer money from the European Union, from Qatar. Do you think that money went for hospitals? Did it go for strawberries, or flowers, or infrastructures, or a roundabout in the middle of the city? All of that money went underground to the diabolical works of building underground tunnels, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of them, filled with rockets and munitions and missiles to cause harm, to bring about death. That's what they did with the money. While complaining to the world that Gazans are suffering, Hamas was the effective controller of the Gaza Strip. No more. Military power, political power, no more. The first Islamic caliphate in the area. They had their own territory, their own sovereignty. And this is what they turned Gaza into. A hellhole. Hellhole for Palestinians. Some of those Gazans, I'll be frank with you, some of those Gazans participated in the massacre. Ordinary civilians who followed the thousands of savages who looted who raped, who killed. They were seen on their own GoPro cameras, not Jewish AI that manufactures lies, but the truth. And some of them are innocent, who live under the boot of Hamas. As I speak to you now, Hamas is not allowing many of their own civilians to leave to the safe zones created by Israel in the south, executed by Hamas, to make sure that they are the human shields that they use. I mentioned it earlier today, in a battle against the the 13th Battalion of the Infantry a couple of days ago, a few dozen of their savages fought the IDF soldiers, started by sending in the IDF's direction a 100 women and children to make sure that we kill them so that there is a great image on MSNBC. Guess what? None of the civilians was hurt. All of the terrorists were defeated. None of the IDF soldiers was hurt. So when they tell you pro-Palestinian, say no, pro-Hamas, pro-terror, pro-horror, not pro-Palestinian. You know what? I am pro-Palestinian. By taking the blood of our soldiers to rid the world of this evil, We are pro-Palestinian, we are pro-Israeli, we are pro-humanity, we are pro-civilization, we are anti-barbarism, we are pro-the United States of America. And that alliance means a lot for when Israelis in their great moment of pain, shock and grief saw the great beacon of light, the United States of America standing side by side with Israel. Our hearts trembled. Our ears te- our eyes teared. Our ears rang with hope. You are our friends. You are the beacon of morality on earth. Be proud of the United States of America. Not like these mobs out there who at the same time is defaming Israel. They defame the United States claiming it's the world's biggest culprit. It is not... For it is with the blood of the brave men and women of the United States of America, the world was rescued only a few decades ago from the great evil of the Third Reich. And today the U.S. continues to be a moral beacon to the entire world. And it's our obligation right here, each and every one of us, to make sure that that continues to be the case. To make our voices heard. To let our elected officials know that when they do the right thing, we should come out and support them. Do not assume gratitude. Make sure that this is heard just as much as we like to sound our complaints. Make sure that they know that you are with them when they do the right thing. And come at them when they do the wrong thing. And you do so not for Israel, but for your children. For your future right here in Chattanooga and beyond. When I say children, if we can put on Eitan Yahalomi, I want to mention one of those hostages. Look at that face. Look at that child. Eitan is 12 years old. He was taken into Gaza on a motorcycle by these savages. His father was shot, was taken into Gaza. He was put on a bike, motorcycle, and his mother and two sisters were put on a separate bike, and they were taken into Gaza. Halfway through, the mother's motorcycle that she was on had a malfunction. So she took advantage of the situation, jumped out with her two young girls, and ran for three hours barefoot in the desert to reach safety in Israel. Eitan was not as lucky. He has anxiety, Eitan. He suffers from anxiety issues. He doesn't even like sleepovers, sleepovers. He likes home. He likes mom and dad. And for a month, savage Hamas has held him in captivity. And guess what? Not a squeak from the UN, not a peep from anybody else who calls themselves humanitarians, human rights organizations, who bear the name but lack the soul, who are an embarrassment to humanity. People who have no shame to wave the banner of faith, but carry in their hearts the evil of the worst demons on earth. They do not remember Eitan Yahalomi. For for them, humanitarian is only limited to Gaza. And whenever you hear about the plight of Gazans, not a word is said about Hamas the actual terrorist, savage, barbaric, Nazi entity that controls the Gaza Strip. They're the ones who put rockets underneath of a Ferris wheel. They're the ones who put missiles in a mosque. They're the ones whose headquarter is underneath the biggest hospital in Gaza. Because, as testified by one of their savages who were caught by Israel, We know you, the Jews. You will not bomb clinics. You will not bomb hospitals. You will not bomb schools, which is why that's where we hide all of our weaponry and all of our commanders and all of our terrorists, in this underground city of tunnels underneath hospitals and schools. Some of this hatred is espoused by the UN. The United Nations Relief and Works Organization, UNRWA, partially funded by you, an entire refugees agency, guess what, that's dedicated to the Palestinians. You have one UN agency that's dedicated for all of the refugees on Earth, the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, and you have one agency dedicated to the Palestinians. And it is in UNRWA schools that they teach hatred against Israel and the West. It is teachers at UNRWA who celebrated Hamas' massacre. Now explain to me why they need to be funded by the good people who are here in this room. You tell me why your hard-earned taxpayer dollars are funding this sham of an organization. On what right is there any justification to do that? It is an age of accountability. People have to take responsibility for their deeds. And if the organization does not fulfill its mission, it should be defunded. That money can go to build a road, a hospital, a school to help people who are really in need. Not to be wasted and squandered on building more hate, on cultivating more death, on educating more children for destruction. And quite quickly, as the sight of Jewish blood was visible to so many, so was the quench for it the thirst for it. So many organizations out there who saw Jewish blood flowing and rushed to the streets to demand more. The anti-Semitism has reared its ugly head full force when in Cooper Union in New York City, a few Jewish students who had nothing to do with Israel, their crime was being Jewish and wearing a yarmulke. They were stormed by an anti-Israel, pro-terror mob who was knocking on the doors, demanding them, demanding them to come out. And the advice given to them by the librarian, come with me, I'll hide you in the attic. Only a few decades ago, after the Holocaust, only a few decades from the atrocities where Jewish kids were hiding in attics against the Nazis, do Jewish students in the city of New York had to find refuge against an angry mob. Explain to me, how is it that hundreds of thousands are coming out marching against Israel and for terror, when you see no such outcry with the terrible crimes in Darfur, with the crimes that Russia is perpetrating as we speak in the Ukraine? When the Uyghurs in China are being massacred and butchered, what is it about Israel that angers people so much? You know the answer. Each and every one of you knows the answer. For this is the Jew among the nations. The Jewish state. This is ugly anti-Semitism. A manifestation of that evil. We know it. And the stronger the dark forces rise against us, the more we know that we represent the light. The more we know that our presence bothers them troubles them. Today, I want to ask you to stand by your Jewish brothers and sisters, to stand by us, not just for us, but for you. To remember that this must be an age of accountability, that for once we are starting to see people waking up to the challenge. For what we have been crying out for years, telling the world what we're facing, We were never believed. Every time we were told, politics, pro-Palestinian, pro-Israel, we were confused with a quagmire of facts. Facts, right? As if facts. But now, post-October 7th, when masks are off, the moral issue is clear. Are you with humanity or against it? Are you with barbarism or against it? Do you support terror or do you object to it? It's a yes-no question. We now demand an answer. We as in the Jewish community have built, have invested years into building bridges to different communities. And now, just like Pastor Kevin and Pastor Devin stand strongly by the state of Israel, are able to make their voices heard and say no to terror, so should others, and so should we demand others. We have seen now major donors taking their money away from universities that allow education for hate. We have seen Students for Justice in Palestine being banned in Florida and at Brandeis University and hopefully more. We have seen an NYU School of Law student who headed the Student Union, who two days after the massacre sends a message to everyone, we stand with Palestinian resistance. Have you lost your mind? Palestinian resistance? The mass rape of a 20-year-old girl and shooting her in the back of the head, that's resistance because if this is what you stand for, shame on you. You are banished from our society. Go to the lands where such evil is respected, not the United States of America. And you know what? Her job offer was rescinded. She was deposed from her position at the Student Union. Accountability. Of course, immediately they started to complain what did we do 34 student clubs at the lower moral education at the poison Ivy League at Harvard actually signed a letter condemning Israel immediately immediately major donors said no problem give us the lists of the students who are part of these clubs so that we know not to hire them oh we didn't know what we signed sir we're not sure are you an adult do you check what you sign The same message we give to all those who cover their faces in those demonstrations, right? They cover their faces. Why do they cover their faces? They know why they cover their faces. Because they know they should be ashamed for who they are. And then they demand freedom of speech. I'm with them. I support them. But remove the cover. Show me who you are. I want to know who you are. I want to know if you're the barista who's making my coffee. I want to know if you work at the supermarket by my house. I want to know just like I want the FBI to know. Just like I want all of your friends to know what kind of a person you are. What kind of a vile soul you are. Take responsibility for what you say. Go ahead and do it. Be proud so that we are safer. And have no shame in standing up to these people. And these are great rays of hope that we see even though the word hope is very difficult to utter a little over a month after that horrible massacre. And while 240 hostages, elderly, Holocaust survivors, babies, are being held by these monsters in the dark, the same people who dragged a Holocaust survivor, 90-year-old, took her phone, put live on social media, on her phone, so that all of her friends and her family see it, and executed her with a shot to the head. Such is the evil. Evil like the 94-year-old Holocaust survivor with Parkinson's who cried in front of the camera asking the question, why did I survive and my 20-year-old granddaughter was murdered and was abused until she died? And why, she asked, that at the end of my days, this is the memory I have to take with me to the grave. And the answer to this question, is answered with a resounding yay by professors at Cornell who are energized by it. Who felt it was awesome. Resistance. Lunacy. Loss of moral direction. So I can speak about this for not hours, but days. So I will end with this. This is our moment to rise. I ask each and every one of you each and every one of you, to make your voices heard. Do it in any way you want. You want to do it on social media? Great. You want to write to the local editor? Great. Remember the names of the dead. Remember those who were kidnapped. Remember our moral obligation for our children to make sure that that evil does not step foot in this house. Because if we keep quiet, we are complicit. If we do nothing, We are opening the gates for that evil to come in. Remember that when the time comes. For I truly believe that in spite of the hundreds of thousands of evil, mob, pro-terror, pro-Hamas up there, the majority is with us. But let it be silent no more. Let it be silent no more. And you being here tonight is a manifestation of those values. For you made your way here, to stand with Israel, to stand with the West, to stand with the United States, to stand with civilization. So I will end with a few words from one of my favorite authors, Ecclesiastes, whose words I've been looking to in the days past the massacre. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose unto the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time of war and a time of peace. Let this be the time of war against evil so that we may have peace. Be blessed and thank you for being here tonight.
0: Wow. Thank you, Shahar, for sharing your heart tonight with no filter and with truth. No filter. No filter. This is my new best friend. No filter and no more silence. We've been talking a lot about Esther around here. Um, and I truly hear that resonating in your voice. It is not time to be silent. Um, I'm sure this has stirred many questions in the heart of our congregation, so I want you to text those questions now and we'll first flow with the questions that are texted and then we may can even take some live ones as much as we have time to do um i'm going to start out of the gate because i think this will help some of the questions maybe even narrow some of them
2: can uh, we put that text number back yes, up can on we the put screen? the
0: text number yeah, back on the screen I, I want
2: everyone to be able I to i think
0: see most that. of the confusion for us here in the united states is who the real enemy is and what i've appreciated by what you shared tonight shahar and you can reiterate is that the Palestinians are not our enemy, Hamas is our enemy. And a true pro-Palestinian movement would be the removal of Hamas because many of the Palestinians are terrorized themselves by this wicked leader. And I think part of the tactic is to confuse our enemy. Secondly, it is to paint that word genocide upon the Israeli people instead of on Hamas. So I, I, I appreciate you clearing that up, and I wanted to open the door for anything else you wanna say about that. But also, it was so educational today what you shared with the students about the military strategy, the morality of this, is the, of the Israeli army. Um, as they see a lot of posts that will paint them as barbaric, um, I want you to tell the truth about what they are doing to protect innocent Palestinians.
1: The truth unfiltered. And the truth is, that in spite of using those words, Pastor Devon, of genocide, I ask you, like I told the students today, genocide, to the best of my knowledge, not being a native English speaker, indicates a reduction in the number in the population, right? Right. It's a reduction. That's genocide, I think. So how come the population has quintupled five times since 1948, when Palestinians have been thriving more than any other Arab nation in the region? What are you talking about? It's an age of stupidity and lack of education. It's an age when engaging with social media harms your direct gray brain cells before you're able to move forward. (laughs) I want to talk to you about the Palestinians. like I told you, Israel and the Israeli people have always yearned for peace. Otherwise, why would we have given them Gaza? Nobody pressurized us in 2005. We did it on our own volition to give them a chance to build a state. Even now, when they tell you about indiscriminate fire, did you know that the Israel Defense Forces makes phone calls to the Palestinians before we attack? Hello, it's the IDF calling. In about 20 minutes, we'll bombard apartment 21A, the bedroom. So if you could kindly evacuate for your own safety, please leave. What other army does that? We drop millions of flyers over Gaza telling them to stay away from danger. At first, we assumed they'll be able to go. So many of them tried to go, but it was a problem for them. You know why? Because there was this mm, savage organization called Hamas that killed them. They created blockades on the road, not letting them leave. Because, hey, I need you. You're my Palestinian brother. You need to die for me. Because I I am a a strong, brave warrior, not a, a coward little mouse defending myself with five-year-olds surrounded with girls and and, and kindergarten-age children. So they kill them to prevent them from leaving. So who defends them? The Israel Defense Forces that opens a special humanitarian route so that they can leave while putting our own soldiers there to make sure that Palestinians are not attacked by Hamas. Now tell me when was the last time you saw that coverage on CNN? When did you hear that story on NBC? When did you read this cover page story in the venerable New York Times? By the way, I can even tell you um, a news piece that came out today, that some of the people who work with leading medias like New York Times and AP and others, their um, freelancer partners in the the beautiful Gaza Strip, knew about the attack that Hamas was perpetrating on October 7th. Not only did they know, They received special permission to ride on the motorcycles with the savages into Israel so that they get the best pictures of Holocaust survivors being put on a motorcycle as they're dragged into darkness. We have the footage to to, to prove it, those same people. (coughs) One of those um, freelancers, by the way, when he got the news on, um, on social media that a Jewish baby was baked in the oven, immediately retweeted it and said, what kind of dressing did you use? These are the people we're talking about. Flyers, phone calls, text messages. We have Gazans calling the IDF saying, help us, we're trying to escape. Mm -hmm. Can you help us save our lives? They're blocking our roads. If you're really pro-Palestinian, wouldn't you say something? Or is it really that you're anti-Israel, anti-Jewish? anti-semitic. For this is masks off, remember. October 7th allows us to ask a yes-no question. Where do you stand? And then I know who you are without confusing me with the usual quagmirical political discussions. So So just know what the Israel Defense Defense Forces defense forces. Defense forces. And when they ask for a ceasefire, we say you had a ceasefire on October 6th? Right now, we have a mission to eradicate evil, and we will eradicate evil. We will eradicate evil. Thank you for giving me the chance to share it, Pastor Devin.
0: We have to hear truth. And Rick, I'm going to prepare you now to ask some questions. I have a couple more I'll save to the end if they don't get asked. But I just think it's important to keep the the enemy identified and understand the very important target of this war. It is to eradicate Hamas, not innocent civilians, and they will not stop until it's
3: done okay there's over 60 questions that have been submitted so we'll get as many as we can um a good question asked was one of the ways the u.s supports israel is by giving money can you help us understand what it is used for and where
1: that money is going money that's being given to to israel from the oh, United oh okay sure so israel receives a package of military aid from the united states if you listen to the enemies of Israel, they will tell you that we take the money and we buy all sorts of brands, you know, Louis Vuitton, maybe a nice missile, you know, from Paris, drive fancy cars thanks to your taxpayer money. The truth is that every year that money goes back to the American industries. So we get an allocation of certain support which we can use to purchase technologies and military equipment in the United States which are developed along with the United States to stand up for American interests and to defend the lives of the heroes of the US Army when they're deployed out there. For I can't tell you how many American lives have been saved in Iraq and elsewhere thanks to groundbreaking inventions that were developed together between Israel and the US. Even the Iron Dome the missile defense system that has been saving so many lives in Israel is a co-development of Israel and the United States of America and we know when we look at the threats to the US Iran already has missiles that can reach Israel they know where they want to go with their missiles North Korea they know where they want to go with their missiles so being able to develop those technologies is of immense strategic importance not just for Israel but for the United States so the support that the United States gives supports employment in the US and supports the protection and defense of each and every American, which is why the bad guys are trying to tell us that that's not good because they want to undermine Israel's security and they want to undermine your security. And they utilize ignorance in order to achieve their goal. So now you know, now you know that this is part of the United States strategic security interests. Imagine the Middle East, not that you can, not that anybody can, because the decree of God has been fulfilled and we are home. But imagine the Middle East without Israel. It would be a black hole filled with the al Qaeda's, Hamas, ISIS, and Islamic jihads of the world. And like we learned on 9-11, we need to fight that evil before it reaches our shores. We need to make sure it doesn't come into the house. And the only friend and real partner of the United States that shares truly and deeply the values of this amazing country is the state of Israel. On our Independence Day, we take out our American flags. We love the United States of America because we have such immense sense of partnership with the good people of this country. We stand for something that's unique to us. For morality and for light, and just like the Jewish state is now fighting evil for the world, such is our role in the world, just like the U.S. is there to fight evil in the world, to stand strong against its enemies, to say, here we are, answer the call. Like we say in Hebrew, Hineni, here I am, here we are. Let evil know that our legs are deep set in the ground, standing in your path. You shall not pass. Thank you. Wow. Check one, two. Rick has had enough. <laughs> he does. This is
3: great. How has the US military been involved since October seventh? How is? How has the US Can you give them monitor on the stage with this mic, please? How has
1: the US military been involved? Yes. I can tell you that sh- I can also add that, um, he can't tell us. and I can say that, I can just say thank you so much for being the United States of America. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Another, a lot of these questions are the same, but it's been asked by several. Why do you have to speak do so you, long? Do you feel the Palestinians will ever go against
1: Hamas? So here is a big question, Um, you know, when we take care of our children, we expect them to rise and be adults, right? To make their own decisions, to manage their lives, to, to be responsible, right? That's what we demand of our kids. That's what we train them to do. That's what we hope for them to do. For some reason, when it comes to the Palestinians, there is no such demand. It's everybody else's responsibility it's the United Nations relief and works agency that needs to take care of the refugees who've been refugees for 75 years let me just remind you for those who don't know Jews were banished from all of the Arab lands when Israel was reestablished 850,000 of them came to Israel how many refugees do we have in Israel today? zero because guess what we worked We toiled, we built a state, we built a society, and we are proud of it. We're not carrying our refugee status as a banner to carry to the world. That's the power we have. In 2005, we gave the Palestinians the Gaza Strip in the hopes it becomes Singapore of the Middle East. It became ISIS. Decapitations, beheadings, torture and torment. I can't tell you how many nights I cry myself to sleep listening to yet another testimony of what they did, of the paramedic who cried on air, guiltying herself for not making it to the safe room of a 12-year-old whose hand was amputated by these savages and who was left there losing blood for hours and hours until she arrived, the paramedic, only to hear that young girl breathe her last breath, and give her soul back to the Creator. So I ask you today, at what point do we demand responsibility of Palestinians? At what point do we ask, what are you doing for yourselves? Why don't you take your faith in your own hands? Why don't you have the leadership that will lead you on the right path? Why is it the responsibility of Israel to provide energy and electricity to the Palestinians in Gaza? They have their own freedom. And everybody who tells you blockade doesn't know geography. The border with Egypt is wide open. They can do whatever they want. But like one of their leaders admitted on TV a few days ago when he was asked, how come Gazans have no infrastructure? Oh, he said, our money goes in the tunnels. If anybody wants to take care of hospitals for Gazans, it's the UN, not us. He admitted as much. Have you heard the outcry from Hollywood? Did you hear the criticism from human rights organization? Crickets. Crickets. Because the only one to blame is the Jew. So I ask you, I hope that the Palestinians will rise to the occasion. I hope that one day they'll be able to manage their own affairs and create a peaceful society. But I can also tell you that we will no longer give them the availability to harm us. We will not give them the ability to build a terror base in the heart of Israel that will kill, maim, torture, rape, slaughter, massacre innocent civilians just for being Jewish. One of those hostages who is there is a man by the name of Gadi Moses. Gadi is an Israeli expert on agriculture. He's 80 and he dedicated his life to moving all over the world and teaching people on water management and agriculture. That's the kind of man he is. And do you know how much he was paid for that mission? Barely the airline ticket and accommodation. He used to come on semester breaks, and so many others like him. And when I asked one of them in Namibia, why are you doing this? He said, because of my Zionism. I am compelled to share our light and knowledge with the world, to make people's lives better. Gadi was taken hostage into Gaza. We don't know what his fate is. And he's been held captive. That symbol of goodness on earth is being held captive in the dark in Gaza by the utter symbol of evil on earth. That couldn't be a simpler moral image than this. The simplest question that we face. And one of the other things that these experts always ask me, going back to the Palestinian issue, how come we can do this work in Africa, in Asia, in South America, but we can't do it in Ramallah? Because the Palestinians won't engage with us even when we come to try and help them. I can even add and tell you on the humanitarian side that in the year before the massacre, even though Gaza is an enemy territory, rockets have been launched at Israel for years from there, terror has been directed from there, we allowed tens of thousands of Gazans to come into Israel and work because we wanted them to have livelihoods. We wanted them to be able to support their families on the bodies of some of the savages who perpetrated the rape, slaughter and murder we found those work permits. They weaponized our goodness and benevolence. They used those permits to commit espionage, to learn who's where, where are the defenses, how many people live in a house, are there dogs which they shot as well, and to be able to continue with their diabolical plan. I want to share with you the story of 15-year-old Tomer El-Yakim, who was caught with his family in one of the houses. And on Facebook Live, on their own phones, the terrorists took 15-year-old Tomer, who could be your son, who could be you, who could be your grandson, a young boy with dreams and hopes and life, and they took him to knock on every door and say, open, it's me, Tomer. And as soon as the door was opened, they butchered the people inside, burnt them alive, killed them, shot them in the head. And when they were done, they killed Tomer, and they killed his mother, and they killed his father, and they took his two younger sisters into Gaza to captivity. These are the barbarics that we're facing, and let no one forget that. Thank you.
3: How, how are the Orthodox Jews and Zionists different, and why does it seem that the Orthodox Jews are against the war?
1: So, I'll, very good question. First of all, I just want to tell you, We tend to have long answers, so the the immediate answer is no, that's not true. Not true? Most, we had a political debate in Israel about Orthodox Jews joining the military. We were having arguments back and forth. On October 8th, thousands of ultra-Orthodox Jews in Israel marched onto the army bases and said, Here we are. Recruit me. So many of them have joined the teams that need to analyze the remains of what the Barbarics did. Who go through the grueling task of identifying what's left of the corpses. There is nothing left. Sometimes, a whole kindergarten, all you have left are a couple of teeth. In identifying a big, what seemed to be charcoal, using advanced technology, it was discovered Two spines, a small spine and a larger spine, a father and a son who are wrapped in barbed wire while being alive and torched to death. And the task of identifying them, many ultra-Orthodox Jews do. What you are referring to, and unfiltered is the name of the game, is a group of cuckoos, who are, it's a, it's a cult that's called the Tura Karta, who are always against Israel, who march against Israel with the Palestinians, but they are the minority of the minority, only you know the claim, right? Some of my best friends are, so just flaunt the Jew. Here is some payas for you to know that I'm not anti-Semitic, so that's why they pushed him to the front of the rally so that you think that ultra-Orthodox Jews are against Israel. You should come to Israel and see the incredible unity of God. You should see the Israel that since the beginning of the war, our population grew by 300,000 people who went back to Israel to fight for Israel, to fight for justice. If I weren't here with you in Chattanooga tonight, that's where I would be. My father-in-law, who's 71, jumped back onto his uniform. What can I do, he asked. High-level army officials who retired 75 years ago marched back onto the army and said, I know I can't command. I know I can't fight. Let me drive a truck. Others are making sandwiches. Two women appeared in a Jerusalem hotel for Israeli refugees who came from the north and from the south, 200,000 of them, and said, Who needs laundry done? I want to help. Such is the spirit of the people of Israel, an unbelievable unwavering spirit. If the enemy thought that we will waver and falter, they are wrong. If they thought that we will succumb and fall and collapse into ourselves, they were wrong. For we are stronger than we've ever been, together in pain, together in resilience. We will not waver in the face of evil until it is defeated. Such is the spirit of the people of Israel, the Zionists. By the way, many Arabs, many Bedouins who fight alongside the IDF, who read in the Quran before they march onto the death city of Gaza to fight against Hamas's evil regime. Such is the power of morality, for the people of the light must stand together to face that darkness. We are all as one.
3: What is the status of the Abraham Accords? In your opinion, is this an answer to peace in the Middle East? What are the chances of getting the Arabic world to sign on to these?
1: Well, I can share with you that one of the main reasons why the Islamic Republic of Iran, the literally Disney-style empire of evil, and we love Persians, The ordinary Iranians are kind people mostly. But the regime that has taken over Tehran in 1979 is one of great evil. It is sending and funding terrorist networks all over the world. And they are the ones who did not like the fact that Israel was about to sign a peace agreement with Saudi Arabia. So they decided to create this in order to deflect peace from the region. Hamas is their proxy, Hezbollah up north is their puppet, and the puppet masters are in Tehran. That is, my friends, the evil that needs to be confronted. For it spends billions of dollars not on their own citizens whom they kill, torture, put in prison, Execute, if you dare to raise a hand against them, raping teenage girls before they throw them in the notorious Evin prison for continuous torture and torment. Executing their own people on the streets. They're funding the Global Terror Network, the pro-Iranian militias in Iraq and Syria that have attacked American marines in the past month, injuring almost 50 of them. They're the ones who fund the Houthi rebels in Yemen, immiserating millions of people, condemning them to death. They're the ones who undermine Syria. They're the ones who are destroying Lebanon for their own needs. For the Iranians are well known to fight until the last drop of Arab blood. That's what they do. So do we need to send them billions of dollars? And I can tell you that the moderate Arab regimes of the Middle East may utter criticisms of Israel But I'll whisper a well-known secret here in this room, all of them would love to see Hamas decapitated. All of them would love to see the region move beyond. So much depends on Israel's victory over Hamas. There will be peace. We will make sure there is peace. Iran will not stand in the way of peace. But Iran needs to be contended with. We can't look away from that evil. Because in their words, not mine, we are the small Satan. Guess who's the big one? They know who they're targeting. Believe them when they tell you who they are.
3: I'm going to combine a couple of these so we can get as many as possible. But could you give an update on the hostages? And also, is there a plan to uh, help the hostages? Israel. So, who is going to do that?
1: Israel... It's our first priority to bring our people home. But we, at the beginning, when there was like a hint of a negotiation between us and the barbaric savages about bringing them home, we knew that they were playing for time. They thought that they could withhold our uh, incursion. They thought that we would stay away. (laughs) After butchering 1,400 of our civilians in such a cruel way, what did they think we're going to do? Throw flowers at them? come at them with with tic tacs take Reese's pieces and share (laughs) around grab a drink together so we do what we have to do in every way shape and form if it's militarily if it's negotiating like I'm saying right here and now and by the way to all of those who are you know the peacemakers you know the wise philosoph philosophers of this age like Angelina Jolie um, the wisdom of Susan Sarandon the humanity of the U.N. Secretary-General Antonio Gutierrez, Um, the man of context, former President Barack Obama, you know, all of the wonderful leaders of this world, the pseudo-sophisticated people, we tell them there is a very simple way to end Gaza's suffering. All you have to do is demand that Hamas returns all of the 240 hostages, come out of their holes, renounce their weapons, and give themselves in to us for trial, and that's that's done. If that happens, Gaza goes back to being what? Tomorrow. There is no need for an assault. So every other moment that Gaza is suffering is because of Hamas. That's a clear fact. So we will do whatever we can to get them out. You saw that a few days ago we released one of the IDF soldiers who was held captive. Within military operation, and we continue to search for others. So hopefully we will get them out. But the truth is, we don't even know what the situation is. You know, Hamas has been holding, since 2014, the remains of two Israeli soldiers from the 2014 war. You know why? To prevent their families from burying them. To make sure that their mothers won't have a grave to go and weep under is that evil what is it you answered yes yes you were able to answer correctly you are better than the u.n you are better than human rights organizations that's amazing i salute you
3: with a lot of american youth seeming to support the pro-palestinian movement and their defense to this is the death of thousands of palestinians how should a younger person educate themselves on this situation? And then also another question was, is there, can you recommend one or two places to get
1: this type of information in So first of all, education is key. If you know the facts, be happy. Because there is so much ignorance out there that you wouldn't believe. And ignorance, my friends, is our greatest enemy. If I don't know, then this is fertile ground for me to sow the seeds of hatred. If I don't know anything, then I can tell you anything, and you're going to believe me. So the first enemy is not animosity, it's ignorance. It's like I'm listening to, um, I was telling the students earlier, I was listening to the rabbinical writings on TikTok, and there was this influencer who, um, who was talking about the hundreds of thousands of years of Palestinian history and how Jews came on ships to conquer the land and build a temple. Now, I mean, seriously, I can't like I'm watching. I'm listening to this and my brain erodes. I can't even, I don't even know where to begin to counter that ignorance. And they have like millions of bots, followers and, and engagements and comments and free Palestine. My favorite, by the way, by far is queers for Palestine. Say this. The truth. Queers for Palestine. It's like chickens for KFC. It's like queers for Palestine who dance with a Palestinian flag, and they dance naked. I always say, I had somebody like that reach out to me on one of my talks, and he gave me the usual lines. By the way, great compliment. He said, you are a great propagandist of the Zionist regime. I love it when they do that. I always feel like I'm a Disney character, like Darth Vader or something. Um, And then he gave me the usual talking points. You know what I told him? I said, you know what, let's do this. Why don't you go visit Gaza, looking the way you look, and when you come back, if you do, we'll talk. Because they, they would hang you from a tree. They would mince, meet you. They would cut you up. They would do things to you like you wouldn't believe. But don't, don't take my word for it. Just travel. We'll open the gate for you to go in. Just don't call us when you need to get out. Such is the stupidity and ignorance that surrounds us. So, first of all, I don't feel that the majority of youth is against us. I don't. I really do feel that there is a silent majority that understands the basic morals of humanity. I do know also that there is a lot of virtue signaling. If I say, ha, pro-Palestinian, then I'm so cool and fashionable and I'm the hero. And at the same time, by the way, if you ask them a second question, what do you think about the U.S., they'll say, boo because that's what they feel about America as well. My real problem is with the professors and the administration on campuses. They're supposed to be responsible adults and they're irresponsible Mm anti-Semites. And that's what we have to face. Educate, know the facts, ask the questions. Guess what? Colonialism, great. There is a reason why Jews are called Jews because we come from Judea. Hint, so we are not only are we not colonizers, we are the indigenous people of that region. That's That's the God-honest truth. That's That's the the fulfillment of the prophecy. That's the modern-day miracle of the state of Israel. So educate yourself. Indiscriminate missiles, I heard from um, um, ABCD, AOC. AOC. (laughs) And she said that Israel is firing indiscriminately. Educate yourself. A few years ago, she was interviewed about the Middle East, and she admitted, I know nothing. I thought in a few years she'd learn, you know, being a congresswoman, and she needs to learn. No such luck. There was another uh, preacher by the name of John Legend. He He was interviewed on Bill Maher's show a couple of years ago, and he said, it's time that we as Americans stand by the Palestinians. So one of the panelists on the show said, what do you feel about Venezuelan death squads killing innocent demonstrators on the streets? Oh, he said, I, 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 I don't know about Venezuela. Oh, and then you feel so comfortable to speak about the Palestinians. Oh, because they're always on the news. They're always talked about. So he admitted as much. It's fashionable. It makes me look good. So that's what I say. But the minute you ask them a question... The minute you ask them, who was the first Palestinian king? What was the ancient Palestinian currency? When was Palestine mentioned before 1965 and Yasser Arafat? Name one Palestinian leader, king, a priest, a Bedouin on a camel, anyone. You're not going to find anything there because there is nothing. So I'm not taking, I'm not, I'm not disparaging anyone. I'm acknowledging reality. They're there. And we need to find a way to live in peace. And we don't want to harm innocents. But don't come at me with cheap propaganda. Say this, right? Don't come at me with, with cheap accusations that are unsubstantiated. Don't tell me Israel is an apartheid state when the Supreme Court of Israel has an Arab justice. Say that. Don't talk to me about genocide when the number of Palestinians has been growing immensely in the years since Israel became re- re- reborn as a state. Just don't. But I want to tell you something. You cannot fight the haters. Yeah. Like I always tell students on campus, the students for justice in Palestine are not going to sing Nagila" with me. Yeah. But all of the people in the middle, you can have an impact on. Yeah. You can teach them. You can show them the truth. And you know what the truth is? I'll be unfiltered and honest. After speaking to me, you don't have to come out and say, Yay, you're only right. Just say it's complex. There are a lot of gray areas. I'm not sure that Israel is Satan himself. Maybe, maybe there is some blame to share. We're not perfect. Guess what? We're human like everybody else. And it's okay to be human as long as your heart is in the right place and you strive to do the right thing. You can make mistakes along the way, but the dehumanization against Israel. Can you imagine the um, what's the name of the UN or oh the UN? The UN organization has every year, every year has over 60% of its resolutions of the General Assembly is against Israel and 40% about the, the, the rest of the world. Why? Obsession. obsession what would you do without me what would you what are you going to talk about I'll never forget when I sat as Israel's representative at the United Nations Environment Program the, there was the second Lebanon war in 2006 and the Iranian representative presented a resolution denouncing Israel for its deliberate attack against trees in Lebanon trying to deny the, the region of oxygen yeah these people get paid by you so laugh as much as you want and then you have to spend hours discussing this issue about branches and leaves under attack that's the stupidity that's happening out there people are unaware this is what's happening an organization that's supposed to work for the better of humanity spends its time on nonsense just to keep them busy the human human rights council they have a mission dedicated to Israel where several dignitary members of their fly business class to stay at the fanciest hotels in Israel with the report already written in advance against Israel in a biased manner, just so that they can have a trip. And that's on your dime. Millions of dollars on your taxpayer money. When we know exactly what they're going to say and how they're going to say it. So shame on them. And you know what? Shame on us for letting it happen. I'm sorry.
0: No apologies needed here or in this room. And I do believe the UN will be a strategic seat for what we believe as Christians will be the rise of the Antichrist in the nation. So I would watch that. And you can say whatever you want to there. I'm going to end with a few closing comments. First Already? Of, I know. Already? I know, Shahar. I will stay here till midnight. <sighs> but, um, first of all. We are going to keep the questions that were asked. I'm going to provide them to you, Shahar. And is there a way that the congregation can follow you in case you can answer the questions? Well, first of all, I invite
1: you to be in touch. Um, Find me on Twitter. Sorry, sorry, Ilan. X. Find me on X, Shahar Azani. You can feel free to be in touch. I can provide you a list of resources that will give you real-time information. All you have to do is click it to understand and share it. If you hear any ignorance around you or any stupidity, first ask a question so that you can undress the individual and see exactly what they know. Then you will have the information yourselves. Videos of Ferris wheels that are used as rockets, kindergarten behind which the terrorists are hiding, the humanitarian corridor, videos, videos of testimonies to know exactly what's happening. So I'm happy to do that and I'll do so with you, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Devin, so that you can share with the community. But... We need you out there. We need your voice. We are outnumbered. They are investing billions of dollars, those Arab states that are behind it, Qatar and others, in disseminating information. The free press, Barry Weiss's media outlet, published a great story about the billions of dollars that Qatar has been investing in the Poison Ivy League for the past years and decades. I think the results are in front of us. So I'm asking you, the kind people here in Chattanooga, to stand up to that and stand with us. So keep in touch and we will help as much as we can to stand up together.
0: So you can follow him for information and I know our students are launching an initiative with him, our own Iron Dome of information on social media. Iron Dome
1: for justice.
0: For justice. Probably the only time from this pulpit you will ever hear me say use social media as a weapon. Y'all know I'm challenged there, but you can help spread truth and I challenge you to do that. Um, I also wanted to say um, a couple things. As we move forward and the wave of anti-Semitism is attempted to be fed around us, we can never forget what happened on that day. Um, I asked Shahar today personally because we only hear edited stories. We only see limited information. Many of you have seen uh, one of my favorite actresses who played Wonder Woman, that she'll be uh, showing a video in Hollywood. She's doing a viewing of some of the original footage from security cameras on the streets of Israel, from the GoPro cameras of the terrorists. And she's being greatly resisted for it. Shahar actually has viewed that video. And I asked him, why do we not see the details? And I want you to know, um, when he gave me that answer, it's out of honor for the families who are still searching for their loved ones, who still, do not have their remains, and then those that know their story. So Israel is in a rock and a hard place. They are being challenged on appropriate reaction. But I want you to know you have only seen a edited version of what actually happened on that day. And out of honor for victims, it will be a long time before we know the truth. But you need to know, as horrific as it is of what you heard today, Shahar has yet to tell all of what he has already seen. So you need to know that as we see them criticized for an appropriate response. I wanted you to understand that.
1: I'll just add to that, Pastor Devin, that I say Nazi Hamas, but in a way Hamas is worse than the Nazis because the Nazis were trying to hide the mass slaughter of Jews and Hamas was carrying their own GoPro cameras when they did what they did, when they cut out the limbs of people and burned them alive. They did it for show. Just understand the depravity of that evil, hence the importance of why we all must stand up to that. Thank you.
0: And we should, as we pray for Israel, and we're going to do that as we close tonight, um, Shahar also pointed out something that is very important to know. For the Jewish people, they cannot mourn their loved ones until they have received their remains. So we need to understand that day happened in one day, and many people were killed and slaughtered, but there is a continual cycle of grief and funerals and many that have not even been able to happen yet. So the Jewish people live daily in grief and in mourning. Um, It's a state the size of New Jersey from what I've been told. And if that many people died in New Jersey, you would barely find a family who was not related to, kin to, work with, or knew someone who passed. So from now through the end of the year, uh, there will be many, many funerals yet to take place. So we need to pray for those who grieve in Zion. And then this is where I will end and quite possibly the strongest message I want this church to carry to this nation and why we brought Shahar here is that it is vitally important to the future of America to remain in a strong relationship with Israel. And you will see that those who hate America, even on our own soil, are those who will propagate the anti-Semitic message. And what Shahar made clear today in our conversation was that what gets past Israel will reach our shores. And Israel is actually on the front lines of our battle. We are foolish to cut our feet out from under us. And as a nation, forget spirituality, forget your Christian faith. If you want your families to be safe, we better stand with our allies because they are the only representation of the West in the Middle East. Um, and that is my greatest concern for the assignment of the enemy against our nation is for 9-11 to repeat itself because we do not support our allies. So if you will help me in prayer, help me with your voice, it is an Esther season, do not be silent. Um, we will run and we will use our voice because our own children are at stake and the enemy who hates Israel would do the same things, if not worse, that happened on this horrific black Sabbath. The difference is they have not been able to reach our borders, but they are present. They are coming through the southern borders and we need to pray not just for the peace of Israel, but for our own nation. Is that message understood by our church today and why? Pastor Kevin and I, at the sake of our own reputation, will be very verbal, because before I am a preacher, I am a mother of six, and I will never let my judgment be crowded by the approval of man when generations hang in the balance. Are we all on the same page in this church today?
1: And let me make one request of all of you. I'm holding Eitan's picture once more, Eitan Yalomi, who's 12. Remember, these people have faces, they have stories, they have a life and I want you to pray for them, go on the website, choose one name, one name, and pray for them, mention their name, ask the Almighty that they come home safely, that Eitan may reunite once more with his family, with his mother and siblings, to be able to sleep in his own bed, to live his life and fulfill his potential as a valid, moral soul of the Creator. As a human being, not just as a hostage held by the dark forces of monstrosities. Pray for them. Say their names. Thank you very much.
0: So we can adopt the names of these hostages and pray. Shahar, if you'll stand with Pastor Kevin on this stage. If everyone will stand with us. This is how I would like us to end tonight. I would like to ask Pastor Kevin to lead us in prayer. Number one, for the nation of Israel, as we have been doing. But we have such a... um, an anointed representation of that nation in our room so just like we stand in for people i'm going to ask shahar to stand in for the state of israel and then i also want us to bless him because we need more people who are willing to speak truth we need more people with that esther mordecai oil that will equip our nation and although his heart um, and his background is, is he is Jewish, he is Israeli. He is stationed here in New York and he is fighting on the front lines of what is happening in the United States. You will see him if you haven't already on most news channels, most of our national news channels. How many will commit to me to pray for him and pray that God will give him a platform to deliver truth and protect both himself and his family? So Shahar, if you will just stand in the middle of this stage, Kevin and I are gonna lay our hands on you. If any of our other church staff would like to come up and circle him, congregation would you just stretch your hands this way and i'm going to ask pastor kevin to lead us in a prayer both for him personally and for the nation of israel
2: before we pray i um i think it's important to do what we've done tonight because information fights the greatest enemy which we heard tonight was ignorance how many know that's a true statement We're dealing with an ignorant generation in many ways. I don't mean it critically. I mean that in a very real way. We, We don't have this information. People don't know except what they've heard. And it's necessary to do this tonight for political and governmental reasons, for social reasons, but more importantly, for these precious people whose names most people haven't even heard these kids that are hostages, the stories that you tell so fluidly because they mean something to you. These people are not just um, collateral damage, they're precious souls. And I'm going to end tonight with the part that we didn't talk a whole lot about and that is the spiritual part of this. This is demonic. I mean, there are geopolitical issues, there there are ideological differences, but this is demonic. I'm gonna go back to the scripture I preached three weeks ago. It's from the book of Genesis, the 17th chapter. And the Lord told Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants. And I will establish it with your descendants after you in all their generations. I'll make with them an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Watch. And I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And I said several weeks ago, and I want to say it again before we pray for our dear friend and brother. If God were to break his promise to Israel, it would indicate he would break his promise to you and I as Christians. God will finish what he started and promised in Israel, and he will finish his work of salvation in the lives of his people. And there are people who do not put their brain around that. But God is going to protect his land and he's going to protect the promise he made to Abraham. And you're a part of that promise, brother. And today, we want you to come to Chattanooga and feel family. I've seen you today for several hours and seen your heart and I think, what a beautiful soul witty, smart and on his toes, (laughs) and a lot of good humor. (laughs) But I honor you for coming to our city, and I want you to know you have a friend in this house. And we're going to pray for you and your family, we're going to pray for these precious hostages, we're going to pray for the innocent people over there who are all in need of deliverance, from terrorists. May God work through IDF. May God work for his sovereign purpose to be achieved. And tonight may God watch over Jerusalem and all who dwell in her walls dwell in safety. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I pray for our brother and for our people in Israel tonight. friends and family that are there who need the grace of God. They need the protection of our Lord over that nation, over that city. We pray, Lord, that all who dwell within the walls of Jerusalem and all who dwell in that land would dwell in safety. In fact, I say shalom to Israel. Shalom over that area tonight. Shalom over the Mideast. I pray you would root out evil, remove terror. Those who hate life and hate joy and those who hate peace and those who want to destroy, I pray, God, in your sovereign way, you would remove them. Deal with them, Lord. You could change any heart, but, Lord, those who are set to do evil, I pray you would intercept those plans. I pray here in America that even sleeper terrorist cells, that are we know they're here and we know that they're watching. I'm praying against them all, God. I pray you would root it out. I pray for peace and protection, Lord. I pray you would have mercy on Israel. I pray you would have mercy on America. Lord, we need you and we turn our hearts toward you tonight. Watch over us. Except the Lord, build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord, watch over the city, the watchman, watch in vain. So I call for angelic hosts tonight to come to our city, to come to our land, to come to our shores. I call for angelic hosts tonight to come to Jerusalem, come to Israel, protect, oh God. And Lord, we know that there's an iron dome, we know about the arrows, we know about the military systems that you've given them the ingenuity to create. But at the end of the day, I pray you would watch over that great city. I pray, oh God, you would stand guard over your city and over your people. I speak blessing over this man. I speak blessing over his family. I bless him, Lord, to be a voice of truth in an otherwise ignorant and unlearned context. Give him open doors and wisdom. Favor him, O God. Protect his life. Protect his family. Be with him in Jesus' name, I pray. I bless him tonight, Lord. Amen. Tell him one more time how thankful we are for the time he has spent with us. The Lord bless and keep you, my brother. I want us to do a favor i know it's nine and we've got to go get babies but how many would just want to be a blessing how many would just join me in being a blessing i want to bless before he leaves i want you to if you have something you just want to give as a blessing to he and his family for the time that he has come and spent with us tonight i want to give you the opportunity to do that now and uh, we just want to be a blessing and ask god's continued favor over his life so I'm going to ask if they would come and bring an offering receiver put that on the altar for me and you can give again by app you can give online you can give however just to be a blessing I want to be a blessing to his family Deb anything else you want to say babe
0: no just that we're going to walk out of here in Esther oil and everybody say these words no more silence it's what the word of God says for Zion's sake I will not be silent. So if you take anything from tonight, be empowered by your voice. Amen.
2: Amen. Let me bless you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to have gathered tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit for the truth. I pray in Jesus' name that our house would be a house that stands with you, Lord, and that stands with your people. I'm asking you, God, to give us wisdom and discernment, a voice, as Devin said, and the ability, Lord, to speak truth in a culture that has become so resistant and in many ways, oppositional to the truth. Help us be a house of truth. I pray you would bless this house. And as you continue to open doors of influence, may we run through those doors, decreeing and declaring your word, decreeing and declaring the truth regarding these very difficult situations. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for what you're going to do for us in our future, for what you're going to do for Yashar and his family. Just bless them in Jesus' name. Be with us tonight as we go home. Keep us safe. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen.